How many of you have ever been burned out? I'm talking like really burned out. The type of burned out, a vacation or some time away from the office or from school just isn't going to cut it, right? It's not going to fix it. When we're, when we're that burned out, what are some of the things that you experience? What are some of the things that maybe you feel? Maybe you feel like you're, you're being inefficient. Maybe you feel like you're depressed or you're overwhelmed. Maybe uh, you feel anxious or you're stressed out all the time. Burnout usually happens when we're doing life at a pace that's just simply not sustainable, right? And when we're living that way, when we're living in that, that stage or that, that way of burnout, um, we're not good to anyone. We're not good to ourselves, and we're not good for sure to the people around us. We've been in this series now uh, for eight weeks from surviving to thriving. And when we're living in a, in a way or a lifestyle of, of being burned out, we're doing the former, right? We're just surviving. We're just getting through the day. We're just getting through the week or the month. And we don't want to live in that way of doing things. We want to actually be able to thrive. We want to be able to do things the way that God intended us to do things in our lives. I know uh, for me, I've been burned out a handful of times in my life. Uh, I could probably count them on one hand, maybe two, uh, but not that, not that many times, thankfully. But there was one time specifically, about 17 years ago, I was going to, I was going to school full-time to get my master's degree. Um, I was newly married. I was working a full-time job. I was in full-time ministry at a church. I was leading you know, multiple work groups and, and then some life groups. And, and I basically had a very hard time of saying no to anybody or anything, Right, And one day I was sitting in, in my office at, at the church that I was serving at, and a mentor friend of mine, who actually happened to be my boss at the time, uh, he came into my office, and I guess he found me in this state of just staring at my screen, kind of not typing or doing anything, and it, and it kind of alarmed him a little bit. I guess I looked like I was in a trance or something, he just, and then he's just like, Tony? Tony, are, are, are you Okay. And I immediately like snapped out of it, like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, hey, no, I'm good, no problem, yeah, we're good, what's up? You know, and, and, and my friend could tell, though, that I wasn't okay. He definitely could tell that I wasn't okay. He actually, in fact, had noticed me just acting kind of different over the past, like, few weeks. Uh, and, you know, I wasn't as friendly. I seemed stressed out all the time. I, I seemed like I was going from one task to another task to another task and, and really not taking a break in between. I seemed flustered a lot. And so he asked me what was really going on. And for whatever reason in that space, kind of felt vulnerable, and I just verbally vomited all over him for about an hour, right? These are all the things that are going on in my life. These are the things, and I, and I have to do this next, and then I have to go from this to that, and, and I don't have time to even travel from here to there, and I just started going for I don't even know how long. And eventually, he just stopped me, and he said, Tony, you're burned out. It wasn't, I think you're burned out. He was like, Tony, you are burned out. And I was like, what, what, no, no I'm, I'm fine, I'm fine. He's like, no, you are burned out. And so we talked for a little while, and then he said something to me that I've, that I've just carried through me uh, or carried with me for, for my entire life. He said, Tony, you're going to be asked to be a part of a lot of really good opportunities, but you're going to have to start saying no to some of those good opportunities. And for me, this was mind-blowing. I'm like, what are you talking about right now? There's no way. All these things that I'm doing for work and, the, and for church and, and serving people are, and doing these different things, these are all great opportunities. How am I supposed to say no to these things? How am I supposed to say no to something good? And then as, as, as we talked a little bit more, I, I just really began to realize, gosh, yeah, you know what? You're right. Something needs to change. I am living my life right now at a pace that's not sustainable. 
I am just surviving. And I'm definitely not thriving in my life or in my ministry or my workplace or any of those areas that I was saying. I just was giving the bare minimum just to get through those things. So I knew that something needed to change. I knew that something needed to be different. So over the next few months, my friend, he actually worked with me and he brought some people alongside me as well just to work with me to help me set up boundaries and standards for not just for life in general, but, but just for even saying no to these good things, these good opportunities. And he, he helped me establish this pace for my life that was actually uh, a sustainable pace versus a pace that would just continue to lead me to burnout after burnout after burnout. Right? And when it comes to making changes in our lives, sometimes that can be difficult, right? We might have to give something up or we might have to do something different. But changes in our life, whether big or small, they are necessary from time to time. And a lot of times when we make those changes in our life, especially when we're in a state of burnout or we're just we're going, you know, and the thrusters are at full, full blast, when we make those changes in our life, it's actually a good thing. So the question I have for the start this morning is, how do we ensure that my changes in life endure, right? How do I make sure that the changes I make in my life actually stick, become a part of my reality every single day of my life? They become a pattern or a way of doing life versus just I try something for a little while and then uh, I revert back to the old way because sometimes we get stuck, right? We get stuck in a pattern and even if it's a negative pattern or an unhealthy pattern, because it's comfortable, we stay there. And that's not the way that we are designed to live this life. See, we need to make sure that we are making wise choices with the end in mind. Whether that's the end of the day, whether that's the end of the week or the month or the year or even our life, this could be a legacy statement. Making wise choices with the end in mind. We look at the passage of Ephesians we're going to be bouncing all over the Bible today. So if you want to try to keep up, great. That's cool. If you want to try to get in your, you know, on your phone or whatever and keep up, you totally can. But everything will be on the screen that I'm going to read, though, for sure. Ephesians 4, through 24 says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. See, this passage is all about making wise choices with the end in mind, putting off the old way of doing things and instilling this new self, this self that you and I were created to be. But it comes down to making wise, consistent choices. See, consistent choices produce consistent results. Uh, I discovered recently that I can't drink regular coffee anymore. Even what I have right here, in my, somebody just went, oh, yeah, what I have right here is tea, you can see, uh, or I drink decaf. Um, I can't drink regular coffee anymore. And, and the reason I can't drink coffee anymore, even though I like it a lot and it, it help, the caffeine helps, it makes my heart flutter. And it's not the, uh, I'm in love and I don't care what anybody thinks about it, like kind of fluttering. No, it's the kind of fluttering where like it gets very rapid and it feels kind of like my heart's going to like burst out of my chest at times. Uh, I can feel my blood pressure going up. And my, my face typically gets flush after I drink coffee. And it's just, it's just coffee. I don't know what it is about coffee in particular. But I found that, that I, I, I don't like that you know, reaction in my body. And so if I don't want that reaction in my heart, then I, can, then I consistently need to choose against something as simple as coffee because I want my heart rate to be consistent. So I want to make sure that I'm making consistent choices, even when coffee on a cold morning like this sounds delicious, right? 
And I got to tell you, being a pastor, coffee is something that, like, I base a lot of, like, meetings and stuff like that around. We go, hey, let's meet for coffee. Well, okay, let's meet for tea and coffee, or let's meet for regular, or you can have regular and I'll have decaf, you know. Um, But I just have to make these consistent choices because I want to make sure that my heart doesn't explode someday, right? Um, And it's the same with our spiritual heart. We need to make consistent choices that produce consistent results in our faith journey with God. Notice I didn't say perfect choices. I just said consistent choices. And maybe you start off each day by asking, what can I do today that is better than what I did yesterday? What can I do today that is better than what I did yesterday? Because see, um, in light of God's hopes and dreams for me, what is the wise thing for me to do? For me, it's not wise if I have regular coffee, right? It's just not wise me to have that anymore. And if I continue to drink coffee, I'm not sure what's going to happen to my heart. And if something happens to my heart, well, guess what? Then I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm not going to be able to understand and live out God's hopes and dreams for me. I don't think we ask that question enough. God, what are your hopes and your dreams for me? We think and we kind of put our own hopes and dreams out there, right? If you're a CEO or you own a company or something like that, you go, okay, well, my hopes and dreams are that I can make a lot of money and live a nice life and, you know, sustain or whatever. But, but, but what does that look like on a daily basis? In whatever field or what, if you're a student, if you're, you know, you're in the workplace, what does that look like to, to actually live in light of God's hopes and dreams for you? Romans um, 6.16 says, don't you realize that you become a slave to whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. So it begs the question then, what is in your life that you're choosing to obey that maybe is not God? Thinking back to the time, the story that I told before about being burned out, I was a slave to saying yes and to trying to please everyone which neither of those things are bad inherently, but man, gosh, I had to be wise and do better with my boundaries because it was causing me to live a life at a pace that was not sustainable. And when I'm doing too much or focusing on the wrong things, this is what I learned, when I'm doing too much or focusing on the wrong things, I might not be able to see or understand what God's hopes and dreams are for me. When we have so much clutter and so, much, so many things in our lives that, that don't allow us to actually see through and see God, gosh, we're not going to be able to live out those hopes and dreams that God has for us, which means that we need to hold to the standard of truth. And notice that the, the is up there. It's, it's all capitalized, right? The, the standard of truth that we believe in as Christ followers is, is God's word, the, the Bible. John uh, eight thirty one, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. See, truth is relevant to our ability to change as it is is the very foundation for deciding what to change. We need to establish what is truth in our lives. And that truth, again, is relevant to our ability to change as it is the very foundation for deciding what to change. And how do we do that? Well, I think we regularly evaluate our efforts against the measuring tapes of God's truth. We regularly evaluate those things. See, because what gets measured in our lives gets managed. Do you know that this week out of the year, this week it's, it's uh, 
you know, February 24th, this is the week that most people typically give up on their New Year's resolutions, right? So, and, and I, truth be told, for, I'm looking at that, you're an overachiever if you've made it this far, okay? Like, you've done a good job. But, um, and, I, and I don't want to, don't raise your hands, but seriously, think in your head right now, have you followed through with some of your New Year's resolutions? Have you done those, have you, have you been consistent in, in keeping up with those New Year's resolutions, or have you given up on those things? See, one of the ways that we make sure that the changes in our lives stick is by making sure that we regularly evaluate them. It's kind of like when, I mean, all of us are used to being evaluated, I think, right? We get evaluated in our workplaces. Probably you sit down with a boss or somebody who oversees you, and they kind of evaluate your, your, your work performance, right? Or, you know, if you're a student, you get evaluated by your test-taking skills. How are you doing? How are you, you know, getting and comprehending all this information that's being fed? We're all kind of used to this, this, these steps of evaluation. It's like a checks and balances process for our lives. But I think it's important to ask questions in our lives frequently. Things like, uh, is what I'm doing right now working? In whatever situation it is, is whatever I'm doing right now working? Or am I achieving what I should be to this point in my day or in my week? or in my month, or this quarter, or this year, or maybe even, again, back to the legacy thing, in my life? Am I achieving what I should be to this point? And when it comes to our spiritual lives, when we make changes for the better, we have to stay consistent. We have to make sure that we are regularly evaluating our times with God, whether that's in your personal devotions, whether that's in your prayer times, whether that's adding uh, spiritual elements to those devotionals and prayer times and quiet times. Um, those things are all so important to make sure that we're evaluating all the time. I know the first time that I tried reading my Bible in a year, you know, like they have those read your Bible in a year plans, you start in January, and, and, and I almost miserably failed. This was quite a few years ago. Uh, but I chose this reading plan that was basically you start at the front cover and then you end at the, at the back cover, right? Like you just kind of go and plow through the thing. It was, it was clumped up or whatever, but, but um, here's the thing. I didn't get too far into my reading plan, then I hit those books of Numbers and Leviticus, and it was like, oh, cheaper. There's some really interesting and weird stuff in those books that'll kind of keep your attention, but there's a real reason that there's not too many Bible studies or life group studies on like those books, right? They're really hard to find, and if they're out there, you know they've got to be pretty good because somebody's put a lot of work into those bad boys, right? Um, so so I, I got to that point, and I was like, this is dumb. I can't do this anymore, right? Uh, uh, and and so I almost quit my read my, you know, the reading my Bible in a year plan. But then I decided to do something different. I decided to actually just evaluate how I was doing this plan, right? And kind of reevaluate it and then just maybe see if there was another plan out there. And sure enough, I found this other plan that was awesome. It had a little bit of Old Testament, had a little bit of the Psalms, and then it had a little bit of the New Testament in it. And for me, that was perfect because I got some good history, and then I got to see the Psalms and kind of just have my soul refreshed, and then I got to see what Jesus was doing and what the, what the disciples and, and the apostles were doing in the New Testament. And it, it just kind of kept it alive for me. In fact, I, you know, I started this plan late because I decided to start over at the beginning. So I started this plan late in the year, but I finished it actually before the year was over because I was so excited every single day just to dive into God's Word and to see what was next and to see you know, the stuff that I had read yesterday, how it was going to build today. And it was just such a neat thing for me. Now, I'm sure that there are some people where the start at the front cover and end at the back cover, that works for you. And that's cool. I'm not knocking it at all. But for me, that didn't work. And so instead of giving that up, I knew that by like reading my Bible, 
think, I hope we know this, it's good for us, right? It's beneficial for us, right? It's something, if you don't know that, I'm going to tell you right now, it's good for you. You should do it more, you know what I mean? Like, read your Bibles as much as you can. It's really a good thing. And, and for me, again, I had to just evaluate what I was doing and how I was doing it to find something that would work for me. See, it's about knowing yourself and then, and then gearing yourself up to be successful. But then you have to actually take a hard look at yourself. For me, I just had to, I mean, that, I had to just look and go, okay, this is not the way I'm geared to read my Bible this way. So I had to be a little vulnerable with myself and go, okay, what really is it that I need? What really is it that I'm looking for so that Scripture jumps off the page at me and, and, and fulfills these, these places in, in my life and my heart that I know Scripture should be diving in and, and seeping into? Psalm 139 says, Search me, God, and know my heart. If we pause just there, if we say those words, search me, God, and know my heart, do you think, like, think about what those words actually mean. Search me, God, and know my heart. You're asking, you're inviting God in to places in your life where maybe, you know, God hasn't been for quite some time. I kind of get this picture in my mind of, of God with a flashlight, right? And he's going through the little places in, in our hearts and he's looking for things and he sees a shadow and he moves around and he goes, oh, that's something that shouldn't be there. Oh, okay, we need to work on this. And the rest of this passage goes, test and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. This is about being vulnerable with God. This is about opening up every single place, every single crevice, every single area in our lives to God and allowing him to put his word and his truth into those places. See, this passage is all about changing and submitting to God's direction in our lives, but it doesn't come without some evaluation. It doesn't come without some testing. It doesn't come without some work. And then eventually, it's going to come down to some confession for us. God, I know these things shouldn't be here. I know that this is not the way you designed me. I know that I'm only surviving right now. And I want to be thriving. So God, rid my life of these things. Take these things away from me. And when we do that, when we do that, oops, we skip ahead. Nope, we skip too far ahead. There, good. We strengthen our thoughts about leveling up our thinking. Right, there's this passage in, in Matthew where Jesus illustrates this point perfectly. It's Matthew 5, 27 through 28. And, and it says this, You have heard that it is, that it is said... Oh, I have it actually on the screen. I told you I was going to put it up there. You've heard that it is said, You should not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. See, the law... The law, the the foundation for all that the Israelites, the Hebrew people, um, based all of their traditions and everything that they did on was was when when Moses came down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments on the tablets, right? And one of those laws was don't commit adultery, right? And And then Jesus came in and he said, yeah, don't commit adultery. But then he took it to the next level. He said, don't even look at a woman lustfully. Because if you do, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. And see, this blew the minds of the Pharisees and the Sadducees at the time. Because Jesus came in again, he said, don't commit adultery, but then he took it to the next level, and he said, he said Jesus is, is, is talking about the law. 
But not only is Jesus talking about the law, now he's adding to the law. And you got to think these, these, these Pharisees and these Sadducees, these religious leaders, they, they were like, who is this man that is talking about the law and now he's adding to it? What right does he have to do that? But see, we, as the readers of this story, we have the privilege of seeing it from the second story. Right? We can see what's going on here. We can see what Jesus is, is getting at. We can understand that, that Jesus was instructing his people, his followers, to strengthen their thoughts by leveling up their thinking. Because, yes, committing the, the act of adultery, that's bad. But guess what? It doesn't start there. And this is what Jesus was trying to bring into light. Committing the act of adultery, it, it doesn't start there. It starts with a glance. It starts with a look for maybe a little too long. It starts with a light touch. It starts with a Facebook search. Maybe not in Jesus' time. It would have been like a scroll book search or something. I don't know. But right, my point here is that sin starts in our hearts. Sin starts in our hearts. And so then we read passages like Acts 3. Repent then and turn to God and see, your, and see that your sins may be wiped out, that, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. See, understanding that sin starts in our heart then allows us to combat it. It, 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 it then helps us know and strengthen our thoughts. It's a way of leveling up our thinking because we know that the enemy is tricky. We know that the enemy wants to get us. And we know that the enemy can sneak into our hearts and into those places in our lives where he shouldn't be, where we allow him to be. And it'll start with something small and then it'll grow to something big. We understand that this is an actual heart problem first. Then we understand, yeah, this, and then it becomes a physical problem. And that word repent, it means to change, uh, to change your mind or to make a mental U-turn, literally choosing to focus my thoughts in a different direction. Because, see, life will always move in a direction of my strongest thoughts. Rick Warren, he stated this, the way you think determines the way that you feel, and the way that you feel determines the way that you act. And if you want to change how you act, you must begin by changing the way you think. Your thoughts are the autopilot of your life. Because see, if you think the way you used to think, you're going to do things the way you used to do. And all of us want to make sure that we take off that old self, the self that's without God, and we want to put on that new self, the self that, that looks at God and says, God, I want everything you have for me. I want everything that you desire for me, all your hopes and your dreams. I want all of those. I want all of those because I want to live a life that is thriving. I want to live a life that pleases you. I want to live a life that, that just goes out there and, and has impact on every single person that I come in contact with, not for my glory, God, but your glory. But we can't do that if we're thinking the way we used to think and doing things the way that we used to do because sometimes we need to deal with our stinking thinking, right? We need to get rid of the negativity, get rid of the stuff that we know shouldn't be there in our lives. Identify the places in our lives and we need to, we need to set up boundaries in order to get rid of our stinking thinking, right? We sometimes need to be preemptive about um, situations in which negative thinking could totally lead us to a place where we fall into a pattern of sin. See, Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, my old way of thinking, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, my new way of thinking. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do we ask that from God? God, what's your good, pleasing, and perfect will for our lives? That's a new way of thinking. 
that's a new way of thinking. Um, some of us have been reading this book called Change Your Brain, Change Your Life. It's by a guy named Dan- Daniel Amen. And you know it's legit because homeboy's name is Amen, uh, right? But he, what he does in this is he writes, he talks about these things. He, ca- he calls them ants, right? And we're not talking about the tiny little guys that get into your pantry or whatever. No, they're called automatic negative thoughts. And what he suggests in this book is that we need to exterminate our ants. Clever, right? (laughs) I could write a book that talks about that. Um, But uh, yeah, exterminate your ants, your automatic negative thoughts. Let's be honest. Some of us, most of us have negative thoughts that just seem to pop into our head out of nowhere sometime, right? They just kind of pop in. They're like, whoa, where did that come from? That was totally negative. Um, And whether it's about ourselves or whether it's about others, um, he suggests that we, we get rid of those negative thoughts by identifying them kind of calling them out, oh man, that was negative, and then replacing them with a different thought that is actually truthful, that actually measures up with God's word, that actually measures up to what God feels about you and how he looks at you. See, we remember to hold the truth of God's, or sorry, the standard of God's truth about who you are and who you are in him. So I just wanted to put a few of these, these are kind of the most common uh, ants that we find in this book. Things like always thinking, thinking in words like always, never, uh, no one, everyone, every time, everything, you know, um, you never do the dishes. Are you telling me that you've never done a dish in your entire life? If you haven't, I want to take, I want to shake your hand because that's impressive, right? Are you telling me you've never done a dish? So really, like, and maybe I'm being a little bit picky here, but it's like, but really, that's not a truthful statement. You're always late. You've never been on time once in your life? Ever? See, we put those negative thoughts on top of us sometimes. The power of our words, people, man, the power of our thoughts, I'll tell you what, they can have a negative effect if we're not constantly keeping them in check and exterminating our ants. We've got to be careful with that type of thinking. Always focusing on the negative or even like fortune telling. It's like seeing things, uh, seeing only the bad in the situations. Or predicting the worst possible outcome uh, uh, for the future. Mind reading. You, you know, you believe, you think you know what somebody's thinking. I had a, a, a pastor friend that called this a suicide. You assume something, right? You assume something about, about a situation or a conversation. And then your mind, you go down that path. Oh, this person's thinking this, and they're going to be doing this. And, then, you know, and you get down that path, and then you come to the situation, you come to the person you're actually having the conversation, and you think, oh, nuts. I just went down this path that's going to take some serious work to get back to. I thought all these things about this person. I thought all these things about this situation that weren't true. And now I need to do work, and it's going to take me double or triple the time to actually get to whatever the root of the matter is because i got to deal with my negative thoughts. i got to deal with my ants. Thinking with your feelings, just believing things negatively about you. Guilt beatings, using you know, words like should or must or ought or have to. Labeling, you label yourself, ah, oh, man, I'm an idiot. I can't believe how stupid I was in that situation. That's a negative thought. And th- those words, again, people, they have power in our lives if we put them over our lives. Personalization. Innocent events that you take personally. Innocent things that happen that you go, oh, that was totally done to make me mad. Had nothing to do with you. Right? Or blame. You always blame someone else for your problems. Oh, I couldn't get my project done because so-and-so didn't get their project done, and then that directly affects me. And it's like, no, just take the blame. 
Don't allow those negative thoughts to come into our lives. And, and so this is the way by the, the, our Scripture says that we should be thinking. Instead of those negative thoughts, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What would our lives look like if instead of those negative things that we pointed out before, we're replaced by these? We think about things that are noble. We think about things that are right. When that situation comes up, oh, wait a minute. We think about things that are pure. When that conversation happens, we think about things that are lovely or admirable. Instead of going to the negative all the time, we we instead make the switch in our minds. We flip the switch and say, no, I'm going to think about things that are excellent or praiseworthy. These are the things that Scripture tells me are going to actually just help my life be better and are going to have a much better impact on, um, on our lives. See, we don't see any of the ants in that passage, right? And by exterminating our ants, we are leveling up our way of thinking, but this can be super hard to do on our own. In fact, here at Newbreak Church, um, we believe that life is not to, to be done alone. That's why we focus so much on life groups and, and doing life together. Because we believe that in order to ensure that our changes endure, it requires us to commit to authentic community. I was so thankful for my friend who came to me, who saw that there was something going on in my life, saw that I was burned out, and, and, and knew that he needed to talk to me. He had the courage to come and talk to me about that. See, he met me in a place of, of my weakness and, and, because he cared about me, and, he, and what he wanted to make sure that I knew more, probably more than anything, was that I wasn't alone in this, that he was there to help. And I could told you, he brought other people alongside me that were there to help. I couldn't have done this on my own, but that was authentic community. Pastor Steve and I and the rest of the staff, we've been talking uh, since, since the end of last year quite a, bit, quite a bit about what authentic community looks like here at, at Newbreak PB. And, and truthfully, we realize that sometimes we don't do as good of a job as we should just caring for you all. You know, um, sometimes the event or the task takes the place of simply finding out How are things going in your life? Well, we can talk as soon as the coffee's done in the morning because we got to make sure that the coffee's good. And if it's not good, then, you know, then we have another conversation. But I'm for sure not going to find out what's going on in your life if the coffee's bad. Or there's an event that's happening and the tables need to get set up and the banners need to be put a certain way. And it's like we we just get so task-oriented sometimes that we forget to actually just stop and pause and find out how you're doing. There's a handful of people on the, on the hospitality team, um, and I, I typically get here right around the same time as they do on Sunday mornings, and, and there's a handful of people on the hospitality team that always ask me how I'm doing. And it's not just like going through the, you know, the, the motions of like, hey, how's it going? Yeah, it's going fine. Okay, great. No, it's like they stop, and they're very direct, and they look me in my eyes, and they say, Tony, how are you doing? Maybe they'll even notice something. Tony, you look tired. You doing okay? And, and for me, I've learned... Just even being here uh, on Sunday mornings, I've learned that, okay, this is a moment I need to just pause. Yeah, you know what? <clears throat> I'm really tired. I haven't slept at all this week. I've had a lot on my mind and just a lot of things going on. And, uh, and so, yeah, that, that just being a little bit vulnerable, opening it up. But the neat thing is then I'm not doing that. I'm not like facing that by myself. I'm not doing that by myself. 
I have now identified that there's some stuff that need, shouldn't be in my life, and then I've got somebody else that's like, okay, well, I'll be praying for you about that. Or can we stop right now and just pray? Is that okay? Can we just do that right now? Gosh, I want to be better at doing that sort of life because that is authentic community. That's what authentic community... Because see, people who have authentic community feel cared for. And if you don't feel cared for, you're not going to have authentic community. And Steve and I and the rest of the staff, we understand that that starts with us. That that starts with us. See, we actually, we want to live by this verse. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another... And all the more as you see the day approaching. See, as a staff, we want to be the ones that that spur you on uh, toward love and good deeds. And then the hope is this. The hope is is that you're going to reciprocate that to the people that you come in contact with. The people in your workplace, the people at Trader Joe's on the way home, the people at Starbucks on the way home, whatever. You're going to reciprocate that, that you're going to you're going to want to spur them on toward love and good deeds, and then they're going to want to do that, and then so on and so on and so on. As a staff, we want to meet with you. We want to be around you. We want to see you here at church, right? Sometimes it's hard for just a few of us just to get together and get coffee or do whatever, so we want to see you here at church. That's why it's so important to come and just be here with us, because I don't know if you know this, but we are. We're thinking about you. We're praying for you, and sometimes if we don't do such a good job of showing you that we care about you, I, I, I promise you from the bottom of my heart, we do. We love you. And we want to be around you. We want to find out how your kid's soccer game went. We want to find out about how your, your, your ailing parent is, is doing. We want to find out, you know, whatever it is. Because that's the way that we commit to, to authentic community. We want to do life with you. We want to, to grow with you. We want to laugh with you. We want to cry with you. We want to be together with you. See, this authentic community, this is authentic community. And when when we have that with each other, along with the other things that we've talked about today, we can ensure that the changes in our lives, the changes we make in our lives endure. Because we're not making them alone. No, we're making them with each other. And through God's strength and through accountability, we can go from surviving to thriving with each other. We can go from just, just... trudging through the mud of life together to actually thriving. Even though if we're in the, the, the filth and the yuck, we can go to thriving because we're going to be figuring out ways together through, through God and through his power to make sure that we're getting through that together. You're not alone. And that's something that the, the staff and I have committed to doing this year. 2019 is going to look like a year where we make sure that we just take care and just love on you all. And our hope is that you will take care and love on the people around you as well and that they're going to love on the people around them as well. It's so important. It's so important. And we believe that that is, again, the way that we go from just surviving to thriving. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for just allowing us to be here in this place. God, thank you for um, just the truth of your word. Lord, we know that... uh, that life can be tough sometimes. We understand that, that life can be, can be difficult, Lord, and we're not meant to do this life alone. So, Lord, just help us to, to find more and more ways that we can connect with you and connect with others, God, especially here at this church. And, God, as we, as we do life together, Lord, allow us just to, to make the changes that we need to make in our lives to make sure that we can be together, to make sure that we are growing and, and, and learning and loving each other, Lord.
God, thanks for this place where that's what we're committed to. Thanks for putting that on our hearts, God. And may we be different people because we've known and and seen and, and heard your word today. These things we ask and pray in your son's precious name. Amen.